God bless you this morning, saints. So good to see you in the house of the Lord. What a beautiful day to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you ever been inside of a courtroom? A place where, where decisions are handed down and, and at times people's lives hang in the balance. I, I, I've been in, in traffic court before, won't say why. And I've also been on grand juries where I was serving jury duty. Those two courtrooms, they, they don't look the same. The, the, the size of the courtroom is not the same. The, the amount of people that are in the courtroom uh, is not the same. Uh, the height that the judge sits at is not the same. The, the, the gravity and, and the weight of decisions that are being made in one courtroom is very different than another. It, it's one thing to be in court for a speeding ticket. Not saying that's what I was there for. It is very different to be in court for a felony. Uh, there is going to be a greater effect on your life depending on what the outcome is. We're going to read about a trial that took place this morning. If you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to start reading in verse 57. I'll be reading out of the CSB. And this morning's message is titled, Truth on Trial. Matthew 26, starting at verse 57. Please stand for the reading of God's word. It reads this way. Those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had convened. Peter was following him at a distance right to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and was sitting with the servants to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they could not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two who, had came, who came forward stated, This man said, I can destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said to him, Don't you have an answer to what these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. 
The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said it, Jesus told him, but I tell you, in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robe and said, he has blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? See, now you've heard the blasphemy. What is your decision? They answered, he deserves death. Then they spat in his face and beat him. And others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah. Who was it that hit you? Father, we, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you, Lord, as we read this account we recognize this is your love on display for your people, Lord. As we enter this place of worship this morning, Lord, would you do a work in hearts, Lord? Would you drop scales from the eyes of the blind? Would you help those that know you to see you even clearer? As we consider this text, Lord, would we fall deeper in love with you? Would you grant us that this day, Lord? We thank you, Father, that all that are here were called out this day to hear your words of truth. Would you do what only you can in the hearts of men, women, and children? We present ourselves to you in worship as we attentively listen to your word, Lord, and we say, change us. We thank you for this time, and we bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we see here Jesus being on trial. And after this trial took place, it says, uh, they mocked him, they stripped him of his robe, they put on his own clothes, and they led him away to crucify him. So yes, Jesus died on the cross and was buried in a borrowed tomb. Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. The second person of the Godhead. Jesus said of himself, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. He's also said that the Father and I are one. So, so, so hearing this about Jesus, the question comes, can God be arrested? Can, can, can God be put on trial? Can God be condemned to death at the hands of those he created? The only way that could happen if God himself submitted to that happening. Jesus is the son of God and Jesus is also the son 
of man. He is 100% God and he is 100% man. And, and he submitted to this trial, to the cross. He, he said, no one takes my life from me. I lay down my life and I have the power to pick it up again. Jesus, even before he was arrested, when they came in the garden to, to get him, Peter pulls out a sword and, and starts to fight and, and cuts off a servant's ear. And, and Jesus stops him and, and says, do you think I could not call my father and he would provide me here and now with 12 legions of angels. And then he said, how then would the scripture be fulfilled that says it must happen this way? Before the beginning of time, before the foundation of the world, it was the plan of God for this to take place. Our text this morning states that, that Jesus is arrested. He is brought to Caiaphas, the high priest, um, and he uh, stands before these scribes and, and these elders and that Peter was following at a distance. Well, one of the things, if you've ever had to stand before a judge, and one day you will, it is you and the judge. Peter, uh, although his intentions before was, I would even die with you, he was not in the position to stand where Jesus was standing. Only Jesus alone could stand there. But that is a lonely place. Especially because of the circumstances that Jesus was under. It says that the Sanhedrin were looking for false testimony. They already had a plan. This guy is going to die. They were going to put him to death. This trial was fixed. It, it was rigged. Um, they already determined what was going to happen. A judge uh, is supposed to use truth as the criteria. That wasn't the case here. They were looking for false testimony against him. And it says when they questioned Jesus, he kept silent. Does God have to defend himself? God doesn't have to defend himself. But the scriptures told us that he would keep silence in this situation. In Isaiah 53, 7, it says he was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before her shears, shearers. He did not open his mouth. It's even uh, something that we need to look at where the person that is leading this trial is called the high priest. 
and, 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 and he says to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Even him being the high priest, Jesus is the great high priest. And, and you have this lesser person questioning him. And, and he says to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us. When, when, you, when you go to court, they have you put your hand on the Bible and they say, swear to tell the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. They're trying to, to raise your consciousness because they need information that they may not have and they need these facts. But here we see the truth on trial. They're saying to Jesus, I charge you under oath by the living God. That's him. Actually, Hebrews 6.13 says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself. <laughs> it goes on to say, by Jesus, when they asked him who he was, he says, you said it. Jesus told him, but I tell you in the future. First off, he's letting them know, you're going to see me again. That's, that's not only for the high priest or those that were convened there. No, one day you and I will stand face to face in the presence and going to be the judge. Says, you've said it. Jesus told him, but I tell you in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. It's funny because the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the Son of God? He is both the Son of God and the Son of Man. But he's saying in that instance, I am the Son of Man, although he's both, because of what he's about to do. It, it, it mattered that he was 100% God and 100% man. He says, the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest knew exactly what that meant. So what did he do? He tore his robe and said he's blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? See, now you've heard the blasphemy. What is your decision? They answered, he deserves death. He deserves death. 
The only one that deserves death is those that have sinned. Because the wages of sin is death. So, so here we have a sinner telling the sinless one that he deserves death. Jesus lived a sinless life. But that also was prophecy. In John 15, 25, it said, But this happened so that the statement written in their law might be fulfilled. They hated me for no reason. Jesus did nothing but right and good and was perfect and is perfect in all his ways. Imagine this, the true judge being judged. The righteous judge being placed on trial by the unrighteous. The most important part of this is, but the story doesn't end there. If the story ended there, where would we be? If the story ended at that trial and even his crucifixion, where would we be? What if there was no resurrection? What if when the women went to the tomb that day to anoint the body, the body was there. What, what if those two men on the Damascus road did not encounter Jesus, who his words cut to their heart when he spoke about who he was from the Old Testament? What if there was no breakfast on the seashore when those that had followed him all those years said, I'm going fishing? I'm going back to do what I used to do. I don't know what to do from here. What if that was the case? What if Jesus did not appear to 500 at one time? What if he did not appear to his disciples? What if Thomas never got to say, I will not believe unless I take my finger and put it? through his nail-pierced hands. Thank God the story didn't end there. But I got to ask you a question. What if you're living like it did? What if you're going through life as if you are not going to face the resurrected king? What if you're going through your days 
not living as if one day you are going to stand before the judge, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who provided for you a way out. That that what if is a reality for many. That's how they're living. What if you thought, I could just serve God the way I want to? What happens when that day comes and you're not in traffic court, you've committed more than a felony, the one that you're going to speak to is the very one you violated, and he has all the facts. Perfectly. And the things that you've committed was against him. In Acts 2, starting at verse 22, it says, Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man arrested attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, he used lawless people to nail him to the cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. Hallelujah and amen. This is the account. Luke 24, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. What did they say? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus is alive. They went on to say, he is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when you were still in Galilee, saying, it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered this. From that event, we, we fast forward to a scene in Revelation chapter 12. And it reads, now the salvation 
and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down at last. He who accursed them and keeps bringing charges of their sinful behavior against them before God day and night, and they overcame and conquered him because of the blood of the Lamb. And because of the word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb has power to save. The words of their testimony is the evidence that God was living in their life. They were proclaiming it with everything they did. For they did not love their life and renounce their faith even when faced with death. One day, your case is going to be laid before the judge. The Bible is clear. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Everyone. Another scene in Revelations chapter 20 said, Then I saw a great white throne and one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence, and no place was found for them. I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the book. You see, there's going to be perfect facts. Often in a court case, they're trying to disseminate information to determine what is the correct course of action with a sin nature added to it, those that are making the decision. That, that's not going to be the case here. It's going to be perfect facts. And a just trial. And if you are a child of God, you have a defense attorney. Imagine the judge also being the one that the crimes were committed against. Imagine the same judge offered to take the blame, or to, to pay the price, to do the time. Imagine you would say no to that. I'll, I'll handle it myself. I don't want a legal aid. I'm not even going to pay for some highfalutin lawyer. I will... Go before the judge myself. 
I remember someone getting into trouble. And it wasn't a big deal, but it really scared them. And they asked for my help. They said, I need a lawyer. And I said, I don't care who you are to me. I don't pay for lawyers. So I could tell you, you're going to pay me every cent back. I said, there's a range of lawyers. I, I, what kind of lawyer do you want? They said, get me a super lawyer. <laughs> A super lawyer is a real term. It is the highest of lawyers that you have to get a certain uh, accreditation, I guess, to have that, and uh, a price tag goes along with that. This was a smaller issue. But that person, with the thought of standing before the judge, wanted to make sure that they had every single thing in order because this was going to have some kind of effect on their life. How is it that we can come to a place where you say, I don't need a lawyer. I, I'm going to stand in front of the judge myself. I, I, I've seen movies like that. And, and in certain movies, you know, sometimes it worked out. It's your soul we're talking about. This is eternity we're speaking of. Jesus is both the, the judge and the jury. He's the one that opens this book, and he's also the defense attorney. He is the one that's violated, and he's also the one that brings the solution to the violation. And if you think... Ah, my violations are only misdemeanors. They're small. When I go before him, it's like, ah, look at this guy. No. No, God is holy. The standard is perfection. The Bible tells us there is no one righteous, not even one. So whatever standard you're using to uh, justify in your mind why this is going to work out, we're talking about life and death and eternity here. It says there is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. If that wasn't the case, Jesus wouldn't have come. 
And just in case you think I have this, you know, special relationship with God and I'm one of his favorite children and I deal with him on, on my terms. I remember going to traffic court and, and making a phone call. And, and then the, the paperwork got lost. Um, because I was able to make a phone call. And the funny thing is, when I made the phone call, a person told me, when you um, go before the judge, and the person who gave you that ticket is looking at you, you, you don't look up. You, you, you'd better look at the ground and, and keep looking at the ground. And, and you could just feel the tension in the room of, I can't find the paperwork. But with God, it says that he shows no partiality to princes, nor regards the rich more than the poor, for they are all the works of his hand. It also tells us, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. There's, there's one way out, and it's the cross. That, that's why. We celebrate him. We don't put our confidence in our flesh, how good we are, and our distorted view of what good is, making up good in our, as our own standard. But we appeal to the perfect one, the one who is so loving that he made a way of escape for us. We appeal to the one that came and went to that cross, died, and rose up from the grave to verify, I am God. Death has no power over me. You can come up, worship team. Colossians 2 says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty, powerful power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God 
made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Victory over sin, victory over death, victory over the devil. For those that repent and put their trust in the finished work on the cross. You cannot stand before God without a defense attorney. The only defense you have is the precious blood of the Lamb. canceled the records and the charges against you by nailing it to the cross. That is why we celebrate and say, my Redeemer lives. He loves his children and has given that free gift of grace. Yes, Christ went to the cross, but we are here today because he did not stay there. The grave had no power over him. He rose up on the third day with victory and all power in his hand. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. First Corinthians 15 tells us this, starting in verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Christ has not been raised, those that are dead are gone. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, what are we doing here then? We're all going to leave this place. So if it's only let me live a better life by knowing enough of Jesus for me to do the things that I want to do, and it'd be like a fixer-up plan, you're to be pitied more than any. If, if, if it were true that us believing in Christ and it making our life better here, if that were the case and that was the only case, you're to be pitied. But it's so much more than that. Salvation in this life and us being filled with the Holy Ghost, which is a down payment from him as a gift for us to see him, know him, commune with him, that is a precious gift. 
but it does not compare to what God has in store for eternity for his children. Truth on trial. Each one of us has to come to this place in our hearts and minds where we say, what is truth? What is life about? What really matters? It says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep, for as a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all in Christ shall be made alive. He came to give life and gave, to give it in abundance. I pray this day that the believer has considered what the resurrection means. It is our hope. It is our joy. It is our expectation of all that God is going to do. And for the one who came here this day and God has done something in your heart, where you heard truth like you've never heard it before, he calls you to repent and to come to him. That is not something that you just walk some mile and Believe, well, I don't have to go back to church next week. I don't need to open my Bible tomorrow. I don't need to pray to the Lord. No, no, no. If it's real, then it's forever. It's eternal. It is a decision and a moment in time prompted by the Holy Ghost and the truth and power of his word. But this goes beyond an emotion. This goes beyond, I'm scared of that trial that's yet to come. It goes beyond an insurance policy. This has to do this day God has opened my eyes and now I see. Every believer is either a second in time where that happened or gradually their eyes were open and they just started to see how lovely, how loving, how good God is and what he has done. For you who were stooped in sin. Before we leave this place today, I'm going to ask 
thinking about what I just said, if today you know this is different, God has done something in my heart like never before. Now, I, I, I know right now this is not going away. This is real. I'd like you to raise your hand because we want to pray with you. So if that's you, raise your hand and we'll pray with you that God would keep you and God would guide you and God would lead you and God would fill you with his presence. We need him. We need him for this life. We need him for eternity. You've been going it alone. How's that working out for you? Came because he loves you. So if that's you, raise your hand. Raise it high so I can see you. It's okay. You can raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat and come forward so we can pray together. The most important decision in your life. Everything else pales in comparison. This is your time. Deacon Frankie, would you come and walk with my sister? Talk. Let me pray before you walk away with her. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. There is a day when we hear in a different way like never before. We could have heard the name Jesus and we could have heard the gospel proclaimed so many times. But this day is different. As the one giving the message, it's different for me. As we leave this place, you consider the love of God. Pray, God, show me more and more of who you are every day. Let this not be just an experience that I walk in and out of, but let it be me walking with you, you walking with me, you carrying me, Lord, revealing yourself to me, Lord. Would you stand, family, so I can pray for you? Father, we so thank you for this day. 
all of those what-ifs. Thank God that wasn't the end of the story. The, the real thing is you came out of heaven and stepped into your creation. That was an act of love determined from the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world. You lived a sinless life as the Son of God and the Son of Man. And you became sin for the unrighteous, for the ungodly. You rose up from that grave and ascended into heaven, Lord. Poured out your spirit on your people, Lord. We celebrate you this day, Lord, and we await your return. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this nourishment, Lord, that you've given us this day. Let us leave this place with a great joy and satisfaction that today God spoke to my heart. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you that you are preparing a place for us so that where you are, we would be also. We thank you, Lord, as we go through this journey, we can have a total confidence in the good work that you started in us, that you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus.